once again, and it's my utmost pleasure to introduce another instalment of Which Car Weekly, the podcast that brings you all of the very latest and frankly most of the irrelevant from the motoring world. Um, it's my pleasure, Daniel Gardner, to join uh, my good friends and colleagues and the Enright. Uh, Deputy Editor of Wheels Magazine and Associate Editor of Motor Magazine, Scott New, and I can't believe it's taken me 55 episodes to finally say that without fluffing my words. Welcome, gentlemen. Good work. Hello. Um, now then, kicking things off this week, we're going to do another special. We like a special. Um, this week, it is an area of Scott's expertise, an area of uh, both Andy's expertise and interest, and something I know nothing about. Scott, this is uh, this has come out. You're a little bit enraged, aren't you? A little bit. Uh, oh, I wouldn't say that I'm enraged. You know, I wouldn't say I'm enraged. Um, someone said. Um, so basically, to provide some context, uh, while we're all in isolation, the World Rally Championship put a poll out to it. They basically did a tournament of all the greatest drivers, and you voted on various pairs. And once this uh, process was complete. Uh, the winner was Carlos Sainz, and a lot of people. And I saw a good tweet saying, "What a surprise!" And someone replied, "Well, it wasn't a surprise to the majority of people who voted for him." So, which was a good point. Um, but not a not a decision. I with the greatest respect to King Carlos, not necessarily the person I would have as the greatest. So, I got my thinking hat on. I thought, who are my top ten? You know, can't just complain about it without doing anything anything about it. So I thought, let's make my top 10 greatest WRC drivers of all time. And now I will provide them to you guys to discuss or shoot down or whatever. Right. Well, I see only one problem with this. Um, your principle, and I love the, the, the idea here, Scotty, but um, Andy, I'm not sure how much expertise and experience you have in the realm of rallying and its uh, respective drivers over the decades. I can say... I, yeah, I, I think in present company... Um, I'm standing at a solid kind of 20% mark, I think. <laughs> oh, yes. I think I'm closer to the two, possibly even 0.2%. There's a two and a zero in there, just the wrong way around. Um, and there's not, not a lot of traffic around here, but I'll just, I'll wander outside and I'll see if, if anyone, I'll just see if anyone's wandering. Hang on, hang on. Well, that's last we see a Dan. See a Dan. Bloody hell. Oh. You never believe it. Hello. 2016 Australian <laughs> Rally Champion, Molly Taylor. What are the odds? <laughs> Jeez, like I don't know. Jeez, you're lucky. Yes, we are. Yes, we're home <laughs> isolating. Yes, uh, this is perfectly safe. You guys are at a safe distance as well. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so can I with with you know Molly as the expert, and I can just sort of stand out on this one. Well, this is the trouble now, isn't it? Because the trouble is before beforehand, maybe I had the upper hand, but now. My, you know, my opinions have far less relevance because there's someone that knows what they're talking about in the room, in the virtual room. Well, so. I think that's stretching it a little bit. But, uh. <laughs> um, Just express I, them forcefully, Scott. I am, I am afraid that I, you didn't make the top 10, Molly. You're, you're 11th. Is that okay? Oh. <laughs> well, you know, I suppose that's fair enough. But you're still young. There's still time. Well, <laughs> well, that begs the question, is Molly allowed to be one of her own top 10? Oh, yeah. Number one. What a person you think I am, isn't it? <laughs> I'm glad I didn't draw up a list now. If you, don't, if, very if, you don't, if you don't vote for yourself, how can you expect anyone else to? <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right. I'm curious to hear your top ten, though, Scotty. Right, okay. Before we get into it, I'll just say some honourable mentions because uh, 
I actually put this list on Twitter and I've changed it since then because I've gone over it and I've shuffled it and vacillated over it, um, taking it far too seriously than any normal person should. Um, Honourable mentions, Hanno Mikola and Bjorn, Bjorn Vardegaard, legends of the sport, but a lot of their success came before the WRC era. era. It's important to say this is the best 10 WRC drivers, not overall drivers, not rally drivers, because then there would be Australian champions, you know, Dakar champions, etc., etc. These are guys who have had success in the WRC. Um, so, yeah, honourable mentions to those two because they came beforehand. Uh, honourable mention to Ari Vatten and Didier Oriol, both world champions, both fantastic drivers, but didn't make the 10. Um, Andy, cool. in pre-discussions, um, mentioned Michelle Mouton, another great legend, but sadly oh. didn't win a world championship. And that was kind of the prerequisite to get on this list, which I think is fair enough. So... Number 10, Mickey Biazion. Daniel, have you ever heard of Mickey Biazion? Uh, it's a TV chef, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it was, wasn't that Master Chef? It was going to have to be something about season, wasn't it? Season yes. four, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> Interesting fact I found out about uh, Mickey is he had in his heyday a 75% win rate. Wow. Yes. Very good point. Uh, so in 1988 and 1989, years in which he won the world championship, two-time world champion, he won 10 of the 13 events he did and finished second in another one. And it wasn't like he was teammates with, you know, B1 and B2, the Bananas. He had Marco Alain and Didier Oriol in the other cars. So you can't just say he had the best car, which he probably did in the Lancia, but he absolutely dominated. Um, but apart from that, he actually won in Group B. He had multiple podiums in the 037. He won in the Delta S4, very tricky car, and continued to get podiums in Escort Cosworths right up until 94, which was his last season. So two-time world champion, lots of wins, lots of podiums. Not a household name, I don't think. Not, most people probably haven't heard of Mickey Biazion, but a fantastic... No, I, 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 thought, I thought he might be one of these ones that uh, you, you cruelly left off the list. And um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see him in there. Yeah, to be fair... I, I, I'm Bartman didn't make the list, though. I would have thought that you would have uh, had him. So I'm curious to hear the next nine. And you okay, say that you know, the last one was, was a tricky Group B car. Weren't they all tricky? Wasn't that, wasn't that, <laughs> isn't there anything in there that, that was easy to drive? The all Group Bs were going to try and kill you at every turn. Oh, I think there were most of them were a cinch, from what I know. Yeah, you know, they drive themselves. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Uh, another sad part of it, is to speak about Biazion's mental strength, is obviously being a teammate to Attilio Bettega and Henry Toivonen, who both died, mm. sadly, in Lancia Group B cars. He not only dealt with that, he went on to success afterwards. So, sad note, but, you know, very strong man, very strong man, clearly. Um, sticking with a similar theme, number nine is Marco Alem. Uh, the next few are very, very hard. They're very, you could easily swap them around, I think. Oh, um, yes, invent. Toilets, excellent, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes that's, that's right. <laughs> Hold on, I have to pull you up because you said that Michelle Mouton didn't win a WRC, so therefore she doesn't qualify. Ah, so yes. So now we need to explain yourself because Mark Llewellyn obviously didn't win a championship either. And that's why we have Molly here. That's Thank right. you. He, he won the Drivers' Championship before it was WRC, is that correct? He did, he won the 1978 yeah. Drivers' Cup, which was yeah. full points to Molly for uh, pernicketiness. Um, but he kind of that's right. He kind of did, and he was world champion in 1986 for a few weeks before they decided to take it off him because uh, they disqualified the 
or they overturned. I can't remember the story now. But um, yeah, they they annulled the. That's right. They, he won the event, but then they annulled the event. Uh, one of the events which made Kankanen Championship a champion, not a land. So he's kind of a two-time world champion and kind of a no-time world champion. Um, yeah, can can you explain something to me about a land? Is that I don't quite understand. Yes. I, until Sebastian Loeb came along and annihilated just about every record in existence, a land had the record for the most stage wins of any rally driver. Correct. Um, but he wasn't, he wasn't a multiple world champion. Do, do you know why that was? Uh, part of it is, I think, um, he won 19 rallies over his career. So very, very successful right up there. Just didn't happen to win enough of them in a season to get the championship. Um, but also, I suspect that's because back in the day, you'd have five, six, seven-day rallies. You know, the RAC rally would be 60 or 70 stages long, whereas today um, it's, you know, 19, 20, maybe 25, if you're lucky. So, Is it just the Rally of Wales? Yeah, well, they used to go all over it then. Wales, United Kingdom, all over it. Yeah, so, I remember for a couple of years, it, it didn't really leave Wales, and they just no. started calling it the Rally of Wales instead. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's totally right. Cool. I knew something about <laughs> Rally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I suspect that's the case. He had 800 stage wins over his career. Um, Loeb has broken that. I don't think anyone else has. Um, and again, had a he won his first. He got his first WRC podium in 1973 in a Mark II Escort. Got it. Got the last one 20 years later in a Celica GT4 Group A Cup. So yeah, 20 he, years. He was winning. Success. Yeah, he was winning in rear drive uh, Delta 037s against yep. four wheel drive Quattro. Yeah, he won in Stratos, he? won in a Fiat Bath, won in an 037, won in the Delta S4. Won it, so he had an incredible run of success over a very long period of time. Uh, so yeah, he doesn't have the championship success, but I gave him number nine because he was one of the world best drivers for, you know, two decades. So any- Good on you, Scotty. I'm glad no. you know all these stats and dates. My memory is not that good, so. Well, if you had to ask me before this morning, I wouldn't, so. <laughs> <laughs> I spent the last two hours on Firstly, Wikipedia. I went to write down a top 10 and I did it in, like two minutes and then I decided it was too hard and, and I wasn't going to be able to have the time to give it enough thought. But in well, my spent... very, very quick jotting down without too much thought, I actually have Elena's number nine too. So there oh, you go. You're clearly a, a genius, someone of incredible right. intellect. Um, <laughs> <Thank> number <laughs> eight. This one might be a little bit uh, controversial. It saddens me greatly on a personal level. But number eight is Walter Royal. Uh, why does that sadden you? Because uh, he's probably my well, he's, he's my favourite driver ever, and I, if you know, if it was purely up to me, I'd put him number one. Um, and, and and why do you say that? I'm very curious about this one. Why is he fav my favourite driver, or why is he number yeah. eight? Uh, I don't know. Well, actually, I don't know. He's just something about him. Um, I first heard about him um, about almost twenty years ago, reading car magazines. He was doing Porsche launches then, obviously, and something I got relearning about his career. Um, I've read his, I've got a, his competition diary. I've read that. I've got it signed by him, which is one of my most treasured possessions. I've been lucky enough now to meet him on a couple of occasions. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's something, there's just, you know, some people you... He's in my mind to. one of the, like, game changers in rallying. Yes. He, he pioneered the, the accuracy, the precision, the, the level of detail and science behind pace notes. And, and um, there was always this story, I remember, of, of him being able to essentially... On, a, on one particular stage, close his eyes and a stage that he had memorised, drive the stage in his head with a stopwatch and we'd be some crazy um, similarity to the time he actually did in the car. 
That's right. And all, all these things, and and winning in a two wheel drive when the um, four wheel drives were coming in as well, and um, yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. Ar- the, the Argonil stage in Portugal, 1980, um, took five minutes out of his next competitor on the stage. So, because <laughs> uh, it was in the fog and his pace notes were better than everyone else. So he just drove on, you know, memory and, and you know, men, uh, in his head. And that was the result. Um, I've written here on talent, again, somewhat biased. Maybe he should be probably second, as Molly says. Game changer. Everyone was throwing the cars around sideways. He realised that Strader was faster. Um, the reason he's down in eight is because he just he didn't do that much in the WRC. He only had, he did four or five full seasons because if you read his books or read things about him, he was kind of stubborn. He didn't do rallies he didn't like. He didn't do rallies he didn't want to do. Um, Finland, Sweden, <laughs> RAC. Oh, quotes are brutal. What a diva. It sounds like me if I was a rally driver. I'm not going to do that one. I don't like it. It doesn't well, go with my accent. You'll like this one. You'll like this one, Dan. So 1983, he was driving for Lancia, was leading the world championship at uh, the halfway point in the 037 against the Audis. Amazing thing. Amazing achievement. Um, and they said, uh, can you please go to Argentina? Because you could win the world driving championship. And he said, no, I'm going to go on holiday with my wife instead. So... Uh, wow. <laughs> He finished second that year. But he the first class driver to ever say that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Um, but I've just put, again, some more stats because I love stats. And I know Dan loves stats as well. Oh, I, I yes, I do. This is brilliant. I love when Scotty comes up with figures and numbers. It's awesome. Right. So to give you an idea of how brief his career was in the WRC, I mean, he did many, many things outside of it. So he did 75 rallies, 14 wins, two titles, 420 stage wins. Okay, so Yuha Kankanen, who we'll come to later, did 162 rallies, m- way more than twice the rallies, had four titles, that's twice, uh, 23 wins, not twice, uh, 700 stage wins. So if you sort of extrapolate his career to the normal amount of rallies, I think it's pretty safe to say he'd easily have three or four world titles. He could have gone to Peugeot and driven the most successful Group B car. Again, didn't really want to, just wanted to stay at Audi and do the rallies he liked. So, Yeah. Um, and didn't drive the Group A cars. His career could have gone longer, but he didn't drive them because he thought they were boring. So fair enough. Um, when and why? Sure, sure sure this is cool or lazy. I don't know. It's definitely well, one or the other. I don't think I'd call him lazy, but uh, yeah. Lazy. Andy, would you? You would have surely passengered with Walter over the years at some point. Yes. Yeah. At the, the Nurburgring. Um, at the Nurburgring. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, what, what struck me was like later in his career um, when some of the other test drivers were setting the Nürburgring laps and, and Walter would just look at them and go, you know, the, the lap times have become so fast now. It's not for me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think he's a, a man who knows his own mind and, you know, I've I got to respect that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, let's yeah, move on. Principal gentleman. Um, number seven. Now, he wasn't originally on my list of 10, um, and I went over it, and I don't really know why I left him off initially, because um, another one of my favourite drivers. Number seven is Marcus Grunholm. I agree with you in the, um, the, the favourite driver scheme. He's one of my favourites as well. I know. Not just, I mean, the way he drives, and just, he's a quote machine. Uh, we could do a whole podcast <laughs> on, his, on his quotes. Um, he's we an could absolute... do a whole, whole podcast. But this is what I mean about... Patient. I mean, this is what I mean about there's still time, Molly. I mean, he didn't have his first full season at WRC until he was 32. Um, what are you trying to say? I just turned 32 two days ago. You're making me feel, uh, feel great. 
Well, exactly. You've got your whole WRC career ahead of you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, two-time WRC champion. Uh, as I said, it took him a while to get into the seat. Um, he, was, he did sporadic events with Toyota, usually in Finland until then. Won plenty of Finnish championships, which is no mean feat. Um, when you look at his stats, you go, how could you leave him off? Because he's the, still the third in all-time wins at 30 wins, which is pretty impressive. Um, my only... The reason he's in seventh, you go, well, if he's third in wins, two-time champion, how is he in seventh? Well, his success kind of came in a weird time in the WRC. He won these two titles when it was still Burns, McRae, Panizzi, etc. for science. But after that, he really his only real competition was Loeb, which is one hell of a competitor. But if Loeb didn't finish or something, you can probably guarantee Marcus was going to win. Um, his teammate was a clear number two, and the other guys were a lot of privateers. So... You know, if he had if he had won another world title, which he easily could have, where would he come? I don't know. But at the moment, he's seventh. So, uh, any any thoughts on Mark? Have you heard of Marcus, Dan? I have definitely heard of Marcus. Yes, yes. Uh, probably only because of the YouTube video that I keep showing Dan. Up in the ass of Timo. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a great one. I was more interested in the component that actually hit him in the bum. Uh, yeah, that was the part for me. Still I was trying to Yes, exactly. Yeah, wasn't it a gearbox selector pin or something? I think. Uh, well, yeah, no. Well, he ran over a steel beam, a steel rod on the side of the road, and it tore up through the centre of the car and then tore through the seat as well. Oh, I thought it was a part had fallen yeah. out of the car and it no. come back up again. No, he drove over, over, oh, over something and it just that. tore, ripped the car. Yeah, lucky. Very lucky not to be. My uh, my favourite gone home quote has to be uh, when he was in the the trialing. Um, years of the the Peugeot um and and they were having shockers every event and um he wasn't if he didn't have a good day he didn't really want to do the end of stage interviews and and I remember at one point they were at the just the end of their tether and the interviewer said to Marcus can you tell us in more than three words how that was <laughs> and he said not very good today yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the best <laughs> The there are many classic home lines. You can probably go on YouTube and find a compilation. Um, Moda, Moda on which card just pub published an old story of going for a ride with him in a Focus WRC. So if you're keen to know what it's like, um, yeah, go and check that out because he's, he's a very cool cat. Number six, uh, I don't know how this will be again, but uh, Colin McRae. Mm. Controversial. Yeah, well... I mean, he's a legend. He's the most popular rally driver of all time. Um, probably one of the most talented, if not the most talented. Um, one world title, which is kind of where... Can you put a, a one-time world champion any higher on the list? Um, we can debate Well, the that. thing, when I wrote down my really quick top 10 without much thought, I then started to think about it and then... I thought, oh, God, this is all too hard. I'll just see what Scotty says. <laughs> <laughs> basically, what, what I sort of... The flaw in this whole thing is the fact that... Well, there's a few things. One, the context, as you were talking about Gronholm and his success rate, but the context of the championship at the time, the context across all the years is so different. So the, yes. the, the performance changes and, and the, the relevance of certain things changes um, across the time. Also, how do you you know, are results enough to prove it, as you say, you know, someone like Colin, who is the most talented driver, obviously high attrition rate as well, as well as his success. But is it, is it just 
just wins we're counting? What about, um, you know, drivers that are driving cars through their development years and don't have the good results from those factors? Um, yep, all fantastic And then points. when we say the best, is it just the statistics of those results that determines the best? Because then, hands down, Loeb is the best. But that's where you bring in this, this passion side and, and, you know, just the number of votes the, the WRC voting system got with 300,000 people being involved shows mm. you the, the sheer passion that's behind it. And, and that's where, you know, the McRae's and, and the Carlos Saints and, and those drivers that, that also bring the performance plus, plus something else. And, and is that the best? Yeah. So then, I, then it got very hard to make a top 10 and I gave up. Absolutely. I mean, you could make, you could put Colin in, you could make an argument to put him in the top three. You could also make an equal argument, probably a harsh argument to leave him out of the 10 altogether. Like, you know, um, but one world title, but I think the thing is, uh, he's still, I think, fourth in all time wins, fourth or fifth. Uh, fifth, actually, I think he's just behind Carlos. Um, so he, he was very, very successful and happened to go in a year. And one thing I want to clear up, though, one thing is, in terms of talent, if you had to take one driver to do one stage, I think most people, you'd take Colin. Like, who, who's going to beat him in a, in a one-stage shootout? I can't think of too many, even like, you know, Loeb and Ogier and stuff, uh, Mackinnon and things like that. Um, one thing I want to clear up, though, is there's a sort of perception that McRae lost a whole heap of stuff because he crashed all the time. He got, you know, got the nickname Colin McCrash. And if you luckily look at his results... What really hurt him is mechanical failures. Um, in 1997, for instance, he lost the title by one point and he had four straight retirements in the start of that year, in the middle of that year. Um, was he a bit hard on the gear though, Scotty? No, not at all. I mean, that was another... Okay. Mis- there's, a, there's a great podcast with Nicky Grist um, that went for... goes like three hours or something, but listen to it because it's amazing and he tells all about this. And yes, you know, Colin used every bit of the car as all rally drivers do. Um, but, you know, he won the safari twice, I think, and you don't win that if you're just throwing the car into the scenery all the time. Um, as Molly said, doing development on cars. He did the first year with Ford. He finished the year with eight straight retirements. Everything went wrong. And he was leading the championship at one stage. Um, again, he's like, he's, he's four points away from being a three-time world champion, and he's, instead he's got one. Um, so and he's the person every team would want to have him on their team because you, you, every team always wants that that one driver that similar to you know um, on his day, Yari Matty Latvala. You, you put him on a stage and he will be the fastest person down a piece of road, and everybody wants that person on their team that that has the ability to all other things being equal, drive the fastest in one single stage. That's right. Yeah. I, I, in the, in the UK, it, it was always, um, you know, Colin's name up in lights. And, and Richard Burns, who also won a world championship, like, he, he got very, very little coverage in compa- comparison to Colin McRae. He got, he got really sort of dudded, harshly treated by, by the media. Um, that's, that's a good point. I mean, he's another probably honourable mention on this list. I mean, Richard Burns was a fantastic driver and yeah. may have had yeah. more success had he sadly lived longer than he did. Um, but yeah, Collins in sixth. Uh, funny story about Yari Matty, since you bring him up there. Another one of my favourite drivers. Love Yari Matty, he's a legend. Um, another WRC driver I was talking to once said, like he, he said, like Yari Matty's the fastest of all of us. If, if he's on song, we can't get near him. Um, but no one ever cared because, you know, he wouldn't finish the rally, which was a bit harsh. Um, but <laughs> yeah, anyway, moving on. Uh, number five, 
Um, Carlos Sainz. So he's four. Yeah, I have him four places lower than the rest of the world, I suppose. Um, you ever come across King? You ever come across King Carlos in your travels, Andy, on a launch or anything? No, I don't. I don't believe I have. Um, David Morley still ever responded like that? Actually, yeah. <laughs> I thought you'd met everybody. Someone skiing or you know crashed into them or something or other. But wow, it's an absolute first. I think he's got some sort of intervention order against me. Probably, <laughs> probably for the best. David Morley, uh, David Morley, long-time you know journalist and contributor. Uh, he still actually wants to kill Carlos Sainz because he took him for a, uh, Carlos took him for a ride in the early nineties and uh, a special stage, and he's dead set convinced Carlos was trying to kill him with the way he was driving. So uh, Carlos Sainz is still like a, still in a Dave Morley's black book. Um, Dave Morley didn't throw his helmet through Carlos Sainz's back window, did he? In a fit of pique afterwards? No, he didn't. Uh, the Knicks, <laughs> too, are very, very interesting because, um, I mean, let's quickly go through Carlos's incredible career. Um, and again, if you're going pure rally drivers, you'd probably put him high because he's won the Dakar four times now. He's shown that in all, in all driving sports, he's incredible. Um, in the WRC, though, um, yeah, 26 wins. Your first non-Scandinavian to win in Finland. He broke that. Uh, his first podium was in 1989. His last was in 2005. So again, an incredibly long and long stretch. And if you look at his career stats, like there's not masses of wins. Like there's lots of wins, but there's all those little colours for the podiums, and it's just a sheet of those colours. He's just incredibly consistent. Um, initially, I had him below Colin because I figured I thought that Colin was the faster driver, but they had um, six, year, uh, six years together in the same team. So same year, same, same team, same car. Colin had 11 wins, but Carlos finished ahead in the championship for those six years. So I kind of looked at that and that was my tiebreaker. I'm like, well, six years in the same car, Carlos finished ahead more. So, but equally, you could split, they could almost be equal fifth, really. I mean, how do you split them? Very different yeah. drivers. The justification for having Carlos... Um, at the top of that WRC poll, it seemed to me to be, uh, I, I know this is going to sound harsh because he deserves to be right up there as one of the very, very best of all time. But it seemed to be a lot of kind of almost excuses like, oh, you know, if he had this, he would have had more. And if he did have that and yeah. And uh, I don't think you can, you can go by that. I think you just, when you get up to the very pointy end, it's show us your trophies. And aren't all of these kind of surveys and questionnaires, uh, in the danger of just sort of favouring the people and the personalities that are front of mind. You know, mm. there's a lot of people who like him because he's so current. Whereas, you know, you, perhaps, you know, we're talking about role and that, you know, well, he's not, he's not been competing. He's not front of stage at the moment. So people are more inclined to forget just how good he was. So I, I always feel like these kind of questionnaires and, you know, electing someone as the best ever generally falls to someone who's in the public eye at that time or at least very recently so. When the the WRC vote, he got he was split fifty fifty with the the panel of, of journalists. It was the expert panel. Um, so basically, the tiebreaker went down to the the fan vote. And then, I mean, you could argue that Carlos is is more charismatic than Sebastian Loeb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, you know, that's where you come into the question of what what are you saying is the best? A question. Um, and a I question mean, Carlos for, is yeah. with, um, you know very. I guess in my era of growing up and watching rallying, um, it was, you know, my mum was competing in the Toyota factory team and, and they were teammates uh, with, with Carlos and, and Louis Moyer on a number of events, um, particularly in Australia and New Zealand. 
um, in, and Indonesia. And so, you know, we, we grew up with these household stories. I think, I think my mum and Louis Moya, Carlos's co-driver, um, became friends over hiding to have cigarettes out the back of the service park and having <laughs> <laughs> cigarettes in, in, during recce and lending each other smokes. Um, and that, that's, that's where, you know, I, I guess I've, I, I've been lucky enough to hear stories about, about them as people. Um, you know, as well as obviously their, their incredible history. And so it's not hard to see why um, he's so loved. Uh, one question for Molly, you though, Molly. Um, I mean, Carlos, from everything I've read and heard and listened to, Carlos was never the fastest driver. He, he wasn't necessarily, he was obviously extremely talented, but didn't necessarily have the natural talent of someone like Grunholm or uh, McRae. Um, but in terms of testing, like unbelievable, like super professional, incredibly prepared, brilliant test driver, knew how to set a car up um, and brought that side of things. So, I mean, as you were saying, there are different ways to say greatest, but how, what's, what's your feelings in terms of someone who maybe had to graph for it, which is never as sort of romantic as the people who can just get in anything and just drive the wheels off it? Yeah, yeah, you're completely right. And I think, you know, you saw that with Roll, you saw that with Richard Burns as well, the mm-hmm. way he went about it, um, Carlos Saints and, and these people. But really, if you look at it now, all these drivers are a pioneering in the way they do these things. If you look at testing these days, everybody takes that approach. Everybody's so particular. There's, there's no one going with the, you know, seat of their pants approach successfully. So I think, you know, that, that might not be the glamorous side, but people are, are realizing what is optimal performance. Um, so, you know, those people, I guess, back when they started it are a little bit ahead of their time. And, um, you know, if you could be wild and, and carefree and rallying these days and still be have the success and consistency, you know, I just don't think you know, at some point there's got to be um, the, the, the merging of, of those things. And, and someone like Carlos, who does have the flamboyance to push when he needs to, but also, um, you know, by testing and doing the right car setup, then then you, you see his consistency in the results. So, you know, I think mm-hmm. that shouldn't be as well. You see that in F1, don't you? You know, drivers like Lauder and Prost are never going to be as as charismatic as a, as a Villeneuve or a Senna or a Hamilton, mm. are they? They're just, they're just not. <laughs> yeah, people just <laughs> love the, uh, I suppose, the natural yeah. talents. Um, I'll I mention a couple of videos because go and check these people out. Go on YouTube. We're lucky these days. We've got access to so much old footage and, you know, that we can look back on. Um, go and look up Colin McRae in Wales, 2001. If you're a rally fan, you'll know the video. But it's the most insane bit of onboard footage you'll ever see. It's It's the most amazing bit of driving you'd swear he was going to crash in every corner um carlos had a really strange driving style he's so sort of like masses of inputs all the time he's the busiest man behind the wheel you'd swear it wouldn't make sense but apparently it does um on a slightly funny slash sad note uh he went over a crest in new zealand once and ran over a sheep and that actually put him out of the uh, event so there's video of that um and it's obviously sad for the sheep but um it's very unusual. <laughs> you just they've got the onboard of it, and he comes over and then hits something, and I think it was like embedded in the radiator or something. So, well, while we're on the subject of killing wildlife, Molly's not, you know, exactly an innocent party here. There was Uh-oh. one very unfortunate yeah. kangaroo that was captured on in car. I, I think the audio goes something along the lines of me going, and then Malcolm had his my co-driver had his head down reading the pace notes and just heard the bang and and uh, looks up and he goes, "Is the car okay?" And I said. Well, I don't think the kangaroo is. <laughs> <laughs> like like panel damage. Anyway. Going, What's anyway. that, Skip? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, number four, Tommy Mackinnon. Excellent. 
Um, four I, I'm, I thought, yeah, why, why do you have him? I mean, he, he's deserving of that place. But, you know, then it gets into this, you know, d debate between these guys and, and McRae and Mackinnon and, and all these people. They're all, they have incredible, incredible um, results. Is it, the four, is it the four championships? Yeah. I mean, you can't essentially argue with four straight world titles. I mean, can you put him any lower? But it is a fan... Looking into this, um, which I spent far too much time doing, um, he's not lucky, but it's amazing to see how history could have gone slightly differently, if, if buts and maybes. For instance, we just talked about science. Science, two-time world champion, fantastic. But he missed out to McRae in 95 by five points, which is not very many. And he missed one event because he broke his shoulder. So, you know, a roll of the dice differently. He would have probably won that title. Um, and obviously, 1998. He was world champion until his Corolla expired 400 metres from the finish line of the last stage of the year. Um, and that's, a, that's the most fascinating one because if that doesn't happen, um, he's got three titles, Mackinnon has three titles. Personally, I'd probably switch them. I think Carlos maybe had, had a much longer career, much longer sustained success. But, I don't know, four titles versus two titles. I'll give the nod to Mackinnon. Um, to make this list. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, someone's got to do it. Um, <laughs> and, you look at, and as I say, you look at Mackinnon, yeah, four straight titles, you go, wow, he was dominant. But he won by one point in 97 and 98, yeah, effectively had lost the championship until Carlos, you know, ran out of engine 400 metres before the finish line. Um, like Gunholm, got a late start, didn't really get an opportunity until age 31. Um, fell off a little bit after Mitsubishi, but then, you know, I got again, I've got again here. Um, so in 2001, Mitsubishi switched to the Evo 7 just towards the end of the year. And it was an utter dog of a car. It just didn't work. Um, whereas Mackinnon, had he stuck with the Evo 6.5, he might have won that title. Um, he only finished three points behind uh, and had multiple DNFs. So then he'd have five titles. Again, ifs, buts, maybes. It's, that's why, I mean, in this mid-range, sort of four to eight or whatever, you could easily make a case for switching them around. Um, but I don't think that should take away from the fact that Mackinnon was, you know, the benchmark for the late 90s. He was using a Group A car, not a World Rally car. Didn't seem to matter. Fast on tarmac, fast on uh, snow, fast on gravel, fast on all surfaces. Uh, had the speed of McRae, but kind of the consistency of Carlos in a, in a way kind of sat between them. So... Um, Fantastic driver, and he's now the obviously the team principal of Toyota WRC. And One of my life highlights was uh, Tommy Mackinnon presenting the trophies at Rally fin Finland, and uh, I got on the podium in the Junior World Championship, which was yeah probably one of my best results in my life. And and he was the one presenting the the trophies, and and I got to shake his hand, and I'll remember it forever. He won't, but uh, <laughs> it was a good. <laughs> he might. He probably hasn't washed his hands. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm waiting for that, you know, even to offer me a drive and how does it happen, so he must, must have forgotten. <laughs> also, do, does he have the coolest road car spin-off of all the, all the rally drivers, Tommy oh, Mackinnon? I agree yeah. with you there. It, it's better than, better than Sebastian Loeb's effort, isn't it? <laughs> I was about to say the Sebastian Loeb, Zara. <laughs> oh, dear. My dad has actually bought, um, well, he did have a Zara for a while, but now he's bought a, a C4 and he's, there's people that, that make a WRC mock kit for the road car and, and that's underway. So um, oh there will be a, a, a bulk standard C4 that 
drives like it's about to fall apart that will look like a WLC car from the outside and you'll go, who is driving that? And it'll be my <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Before I do the top three, Molly, do you want to do your quick top 10 list to see how we've matched up so fast? Or... Oh, look, we were very similar. Um, there's no one, like, in, in the space of flipping a few people around, there's, there's no one um, that's... Oh, I had Vartman in there. Okay, yep, yep. So you haven't got, like, um, I don't know, Francois Duval in there or, you know? No, no, no one. At the moment, I would say, I, you know, given the amount of time I spent writing it up, I, okay. yeah, we, we are... Give or take a few spots, same people. Okay. I have one more contribution to make at yes. this point. Um, uh, obviously, I cannot uh, compile a list of my top 10 favourite rally drivers. Um, nor could I, for that matter, list any 10 rally drivers. But, but this, is, this is probably why I think it's worth mentioning the fact that I do know Colin McRae. Because... Yeah. Um, he was probably the, the first driver that actually brought rally to my attention. It was that, it was the, that motorsport that I became aware of um, through him. And for what it's worth, his profile and persona and achievements combined with a car that became iconic in its own right, um, he, he deserves to be credited with doing that alone, ir irrespective of any of his um, driving achievements and accolades it was him that brought to many people the sport of rallying in the first yeah, case. He, he transcended the sport in many regards, didn't he? Totally, totally. And so for, for me, someone who knows very little about certainly a historical sense of rallying and WRC, to know him and to understand his profile probably says a lot about, about the, the man and his contribution. Well, that was the story, wasn't it? When he went to the X Games in 2006, I want to say, uh, you know, the... American sort of extreme sports games. He went over there to compete in the rally and no one knew he was a real person. They thought he was like Lara Croft. You know, he was a video game, video game <laughs> character. Um, and they go, oh, he's actually, he's actually a real person. Um, and obviously, again, in that Nicky Grisk podcast, they say, you know, he earned a fortune because of his profile and you could hire Colin and no matter what his results were, you were going to get your return on investment because that's all people wrote about. You know, they, he was the only superstar in, the, in a Formula One sense, really. Um, but he drove rally instead. So maybe he should be number one. You could make the argument. <clears throat> well, yeah, that's how you, how you define best. Which that's is why right. I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, top three. Number three on my list of top 10 WRC drivers is Yuha Kankunen. Nice. Uh, have you met Yuha, Andy? Bentley launch or anything? Yes. Or? Yep. Yeah, I have in the dim and distance past. Um, I sat at a, a dinner with him and there was a a terribly boring uh, English journalist who likes to talk about himself a lot. And uh, he, he, just he just proceeded. We, we, we just wanted to hear, we, we just wanted to hear about Yuha Kankinen and hear his stories. And we were at Goodwood and uh, this chap, I shan't, I shan't embarrass him by mentioning his name, but just talked about for an hour about how he could have been a contender at rallying and that sort of stuff. And it was, Oh, no. It was the worst. So it's not the yeah. same journalist who sets up his own power slide shots with a jack and, and a static. No, no not, not that not that one. <laughs> listen to the last episode of Which Car Weekly. Listen to the last episode of Which Car Weekly if you want to know that little story. Um, it happened. And right. but it also points for just the coolest name in the sport as well. Yeah, Yuha Kankunen. It's just so Finnish, isn't it? It's so Scandinavian. <laughs> exactly. Um, and he also, um, another, he's got a, he's so famous in Finland that he 
got a road named after him, which you would have probably driven, I imagine, Molly, because it's in Rally Finland. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And he lives on that road, and he once crashed on that road, so he crashed outside his house. Um, well, <laughs> naturally. Don't they say most accidents happen around home? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Makes it easier but to also, walk home. Uh, he's the only one to have won with three different manufacturers as well, uh, is that right? Correct, yes. Uh, until Mr. Ogier hopefully does, is what he's trying to do. But yes, you have uh, four titles with three different manufacturers. Um, so, and the big thing is he won in Group A, Group, uh, sorry, Group B, Group A and WRC. Um, he won, you know, uh, at the last Group B title with Peugeot won, and that was a remarkable thing. He won with 500 horsepower in 1986, and then he won in 1987 with half that, 250 horsepower. So he could clearly adapt to any different machine. Was still winning in the late 90s, um, although he stole a, stole a stole uh, inverted commas a win off Richard Burns, who then um, who's co-driver then said, Whenever, wherever there's a fin, there's a shark, which is quite a nice turn of phrase. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, In addition to his cool name as well, though, he also gets style points. Style for points? For the moustache. For the moustache? Yes. Yeah, Harsh. just, just his, his, Dan his pressure's on, mate. All right, yep. Dan, next week, we're going to see you with a yep. full, a full uh, flag on the top trainer. <laughs> um, if you if you have confidence in me being able to grow a full tash in a week, then you have far more confidence in my hormones than I do. Uh, Come on, we want a full mantle here. <laughs> uh, dear. Um, yeah, incredible versatility. Um, so, and also he was banned because he was a Toyota driver when they were infamously oh, yeah. banned at the end of '95. So you could say that he would have maybe not another title, but certainly more. More wins. Uh, why not? Did he win? Uh, he, did he win Dakar? Uh, he did. He also won Dakar. Um, that's the other thing about would Ari Vatnan make the list of rally drivers? Yeah, because he's got four Dakar titles and Pikes Peak. Um, yep. But yeah, again, we're just talking WRC, and Kankinen was utterly one of the best. Um, you could even make a com uh, case for making him higher because of his run of success and his versatility. Um, the one weakness, as far as I'm aware, like, he never won on tarmac. He never won a tarmac rally. He had some great podiums, seconds and thirds, but um, that was part of his success. You know, if you can't win, get the points. Why well, he's got four world titles, which is an important part. But uh, for instance, I mean, Molly, maybe you can speak to this. The idea of a modern day rally driver having a weakness on a surface is kind of tough to imagine. If, you, if you're off the pace slightly on snow or tarmac you're probably not going to win a title yeah 100 percent. you and we've seen that especially over the last few years the, the drivers that um you know traditionally you see the the scandinavian drivers have done a lot on the tarmac side of things and, and vice versa with um the french drivers who were traditionally brought up on the tarmac roads and now um yeah just as proficient on gravel so there's there's no room for any weakness anymore excellent segue because uh, anyone who's familiar <laughs> with rally... Roll, oh, we're all on the edge of our street. Who could it possibly be the final two? <laughs> uh, Cody <laughs> Crocker. <laughs> Jean-Luc Terrier. Laughing, uh, <laughs> laughing how obvious the situation is. I have no idea. That's <laughs> on the edge of his seat. This is the most exciting podcast Dan's ever been in. <laughs> I'm going to learn two new names. I've That's never right. Heard Number two, Sebastian Ogier. Um, <laughs> oh, someone who, yeah, yeah. Someone I, who I imagine 
have you, you've you've met well, would have you've competed with like obviously not in the same class probably molly but on the same rallies yeah yeah definitely um i don't think he would know who i am but i don't know who he is yeah. <laughs> um yeah, but yeah yeah obviously had um had the opportunity to be at the same events competing um, at the same time um and yeah I, I was i was at m sport before he arrived there um so yeah missed that that opportunity but um yeah he's um very uh yeah, they're very impressive and, and worthy of number two, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, to, for those who aren't aware, um, he's won six of the last seven world titles. Yes, Dan. Uh, six of the last seven world titles, uh, six straight. Click, clearly picked up the baton, the French Sebastian rally driver baton from um, Sebastian Loeb. Uh, Guy's clearly a, showing potential, isn't he, Scotty? He's going okay, <laughs> yeah. I think he's got a good career ahead of him. Um, yeah, he, yep. he went to head-to-head with Loeb in Citroen and almost won, but politics kind of pushed him out. One of his most remarkable years was he took a year out while he joined VW before they joined the WRC um, to develop the car and spent a year in an S2000 car, which is a much slower, um, much slower class of car and spent a year doing the WRC to, do, to learn the events and stuff like that. And... Some of the things he did in that S2000 car were insane. Like he would finish sixth and seventh outright, well in amongst the WRC cars in a car that had no business being there. Um, you know, it's a hallmark of a great driver, I suppose, what they can do in lesser machinery, not just having the best car. Um, his first three titles, you could clearly see he had the best car um, in Volkswagen, but he utterly destroyed Yari Matthew Latvala. Like Latvala's an incredibly fast driver, and Ogier just wiped the floor with him. Well, the um, thing the thing for me I, that's also really impressive um, is he's one of I think Bartman's the only other driver to have won a title in a essentially a privateer team. So when he you know went went across to M Sport, obviously they've got yes. some support from the board, but they don't have the the resources now that um, you know when it was the the official manufacturer team. So <clears throat> there's not yeah that there was history shows there's there's hardly anybody who can actually especially nowadays with the amount of resource going into WRC teams and development of cars to be able to come in in not a fully-fledged manufacturer team and still win a title is, is, is pretty impressive. I think that's right. I mean, I think after the Volkswagen years, you could make an argument, well, he had clearly the best car and he was the best driver in that team, sure. But I think what he, like, like as you just said, uh, what he did at M Sport really cemented him in second place for me because he showed that without the best car, which it was not, he was incredible he won titles he won the titles both years driver's title both years with m sport um was up against you know arguably superior machinery but he found a way to get it done and some of his drives some of what he's done in that car some of the power stage wins where he's had to put it all on the line to either win the event or he's been leading by miles and he's just decided to blow everyone into the weeds regardless um yeah he's just an incredible driver. I mean, the actually, the, I've got it here in capitals because it's important. He, they changed the rules to try and stop him winning. Um, I can't remember the year now. I think it's 2016. <laughs> so just so you know that usually in rally, in WRC, the championship leader goes first on the road, which is bad because that's where all the slippery gravel is um, for the first day. And then the, la- the next couple of days, you go with the person who's leading the rally normally. Um, but they changed the rules to make... S- the championship leader, who would be Sebastian, go first on the road for the first two days to try and basically double his disadvantage. And he still won the championship that year. So he gave him a big... He whinged about it all year, and some people didn't like that. But, well, I don't know, fair enough. Um, but he didn't let it 
You get him down, he just showed everybody and won anyway. So that's a true mark of dominance, I think, in any sport when they try and change the rules to stop you winning. It's interesting, though, isn't it? You know, his, his, his legacy, because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these drivers we've mentioned, the sciences and the counters, they, they're bona fide legends in the public eye. And, mm-hmm. and for all that he's achieved, Sebastian Ogier is, is still in Sebastian Loeb's shadow, isn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously people who know a lot about rallying, such as yourself, will understand quite what, what he's capable of. But to the public at large, it's like, oh, you know, he, yeah, he, he'll, he'll never be a Sebastian Loeb. Um, he might be, you know, we, we don't know. Well, that's the thing. You could make it, a, I mean, an argument for another day is if you went into detail on their careers, um, you know, which is the better Sebastian, Sebastian Ogier or uh, Sebastian, Sebastian Loeb. But uh, that's an argument for, a, for another day um, that we don't have time for now. I'm just going to quickly Google something because um, I didn't, the one stat I didn't get. But we know really who's going to be number one on this list by process of elimination. Do you know Dan? Yeah. Let, let's let Dan say. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Egon Rone. That's right. Egon yes. Cower. Egon, did you have a rally with Egon Cower? Molly? Egon Cower um, was in the uh, WRC Academy, the Junior Series, when yeah. I did it in 2000. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. A, yeah that shows my level of nerd. Like, yeah, Egon Cower. Very nearly won. A promising, a promising up-and-coming driver who didn't seem to go anywhere. Um, poor thing. A common story, all too, all too common. Still, still racing in Estonia. Oh, good. Glad to hear it. Clearly had talent. Um, number one is, unsurprisingly, the greatest dri- rally driver, WRC driver of all time. Probably the greatest driver of all time, in my opinion. But again, another podcast for another day. Sebastian Loeb. Um, nine, here, nine straight world championships is tough to argue against. There are people who will go, it happened in a, a weaker class. And again, after maybe four or five titles, you could go, well, yeah, he won a few in a depleted WRC. He was clearly, he had clearly the best car. He was clearly number one. You know, there was maybe some less legitimacy, as silly as that sounds. But you look, he won his first world title against Solberg, McRae, Mackinnon, Saints. He won plenty in between against Grunholm. And then he won his last two against Ogier, Latvala, um, you know, Hervinen. He's gone up against plenty of amazing drivers in his time and he's wiped the floor with all of them, basically. And he's another one that started, started relatively late in his career as well. So he, yes. he didn't take long to get up to speed and also won the junior championship um, before coming to WRC. So his, his rise was rapid and, yeah, he's... Even when he's come back and done a few guest appearances, some of his speed for being out of the car is, you know, surprising. So to put it in perspective, Sebastian Ogier, a man with six world titles and who has dominated the WRC for almost a decade, has 48 rally wins. Sebastian Loeb has 79 rally wins. Ogier, for all his dominance, is still not even close to Loeb's total. Uh, And that's 79 out of 170... Something, what do, I can't read my writing. <laughs> Amazing win rate. 180 start, 179. I don't know if my writing's correct, but like yeah. his, his ratio is crazy. And it should actually be 81, 81 wins because 2002 Monte Carlo rally he won, but then they took it off him. Um, they gave him a penalty for a kind of dubious tyre change. It was, yeah, a bit chunky. 
and he was leading 2005 Great Britain, but deliberately lost the rally through a time penalty as he didn't want to win the championship. Um, that rally, because Michael Park sadly passed away in an accident, um, so he could have 81, but 79 is still plenty. Um, all-time leader in points, stage wins, championships, like everything. The, you mentioned the WRC, JWRC. He won every round in the JWRC when he did it. Um, the only rally he missed that he didn't win, he missed it because he was finishing second in the actual WRC that year. Um, so as soon as he came into the WRC, he made a big splash. Um, 2002 was his first proper season. Then he won his first event, essentially. Came second in the end after that time penalty. Uh, you know, he, he could have been a 10-time world champion. He lost the 2003 championship by one point. Um, first non-Nordic driver to win in Sweden. In 2005 in Corsica, he won every stage of the rally. Um, t- there's a couple of my favourite... I'll share a couple of my favourite Loeb stories, which I think illustrate his dominance. Um, he won... We talked about longevity. He won... You know, he had his first podium in 2001 and he had an, another podium last year. So 18 years apart, he's still getting to podiums in World Rally. Um, but a couple of my first favourite Globe stories. In 2015, Molly, you'll probably remember this. After almost two years, two years off, Loeb decided to come back and do a rally, the Monte Carlo rally. Uh, and he went, won the first day. Everyone was like, oh, what's he going to do? How's he going to be after this time off? He's the greatest, but, you know, time moves on. He won the first stage by 22 seconds. <laughs> so um, he basically came back and pantsed everybody. He sadly um, later took a wheel off in that rally um, and finished eighth, but he was leading. Uh, he came back after all that time off and decided to pick up where he left off. My favourite Loeb story, though, is actually a rally he didn't win. Rally, 2000, uh, New, rally New Zealand 2010. Um, don't know if you did that rally, Molly, or was over there or anything. Um, never, never rallied in New Zealand. Oh, okay. Um, it was a crazy rally. It was an amazing rally uh, for many reasons, not just the scenery. But so Lowe finished third on this rally. I remember watching this rally when it was when it happened because I was a big rally nerd, watching the daily highlights. He crashed on special stage four. Okay, he hit a bridge, now damaged the door, had to stop. So he lost almost two minutes. So after after special stage four. Loeb is a minute 40.3 down. He's gone. He's, you know, he's out of the rally. Ends the first day, almost a minute and a half down, one minute 20. The next day, day, day two, was the most insane performance I've ever seen from a rally driver. So remember, he finished the first day, a minute 20 down. He finished the second day, 5.3 seconds down in second place. Wow. <laughs> he took a minute 15 in one day off the best drivers in the world. In special stage 12, he took 22 seconds off everyone else. No one had problems. He just absolutely wiped the... F- and that was the big thing. Loeb was incredibly successful, but he so rarely drove at full pace, which is why he was so good. He never made mistakes. Other people made mistakes trying to keep up with him, which only helped his advantage. Um, it was one of the few times where I suppose he had nothing to lose and he pulled everything out. Um, he eventually had another spin on the last day and finished third. But So he essentially lost two and a half minutes in this rally through spins and crashes, and he finished third, 15 seconds behind the leader. For me, that illustrates people who want to go, oh, he didn't have the competition. Oh, you know, he had the best car. He was so clearly on a, you know, different level to, with respect to the other guys, Herman and Solberg, like fantastic drivers, but he's the best there's ever been. So that concludes my list of top 10 WRC drivers. 
Well, it wouldn't be in the spirit of Witch Car Weekly to finish simply looking at a historical look back of the good drivers. I feel like it's probably the best way to leave it is to perhaps throw into the hat some of your suggestions for up and coming great drivers. Um, once again, we're all allowed to nominate ourselves um, okay. because we're all eligible, all four of us. Do I still qualify um, but, as up and coming at age 33? I don't know. Who in, in the next five years, would there be any changes to the top three? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. Because I think Tanak will, yep. will be there. I think Tanak has a great chance. Um, I love it that Molly looks at me then as if to, to get... <laughs> I'm just going to nod, basically. <laughs> if Molly says it, I'm going to go, yeah, probably great, great, love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the person you probably, that has an opportunity to go the very height of this list, maybe not number one, will we ever see... Someone have 10 world championships, I don't know, but Calais Ravampera is clearly again in that low, um, again, I think I've mentioned before in the podcast, but for those who don't know, Calais Ravampera is son of WRC driver Harry Ravampera. He's been driving world rally, he's been driving rally cars since he was, you know, eight or seven. Um, he's been driving world rally cars since he was 14 or 15. His first full season this year in the WRC at age 19, and he got a podium on his second event. Um, he has the potential. Um, to be like the Loeb scenario when uh, when someone comes in, just sort of have been you know, okay. He's been driving for a long time, but to, to rise up sort of those levels very rapidly, and and so many people said that it was too soon to to put him in a WRC car, and then he shut everyone up very quickly. He did. I mean, Robin Para can break records because there's never been a WRC champion who's younger than 27. So yeah, that's right. Um, it's still a, it's still in some way and you know, converted commas, old man's game, but you do tend to need experience. But that's the thing, Calais got so much experience. He's always got, already got two full seasons of WRC two, uh, and seems to, you know, obviously he's got Tommy Mackinnon and Javi Ruffin-Pera in his corner to guide him and they're not trying to rush him, I don't think. Um, he has just the most astonishing car control. You watch, um, again, I think it's those, on the power stage in Sweden, so the power stage is you drive the last stage and you get points for that if you're, Fastest, first, second, third, fourth, fifth. You know, fastest drivers in the world. Ogier, Tanak, they were all trying. And Robin Pera beat them for something like five or six seconds, which is unheard of in this day and age. Like it's half a second or a second. And you go and watch that onboard and it's just insanity. His car control and his confidence in the car is just, I don't know, maybe it's part of the bravery of youth, but um, he's got a chance. Yeah, Tanak's got a chance. Neuville, what do you reckon, Molly? He'll have to win a title or two, I think, but... He's got the talent. You know? yeah. oh, like, I mean, incredible driver, but yeah, it's, it's been close a lot of times. Um, Over the bridesmaid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very reasonable to think he'll get a championship, um, you know, over the next few years, but, but whether he'll be multiple champion, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, I put Robin Pera. Um, there are other, there are many great drivers now, but it's, hard there's not many seats um as always is the case so hopefully in this post-covid world there will be rallying and um because it is a tricky sport takes a lot of time and effort and money um resources and they're currently debating the next generation of world rally cars um but no one's got any money obviously so yeah we'll see what happens but I implore people to, if you're interested in rallying at all, go and check out some of these names. There's plenty of footage around now of them in their heyday. 
Um, and I would just recommend googling uh, Marcus Ronholm quotes. Yes, that yep. would be my place to start. Absolutely, I might put some on my Instagram or something like that because it's <laughs> good advice. Good advice. My, my recommendation: um, if you haven't seen it before, "Climb Dance" by yes. Ari Vatanen oh. up Pikes Peak. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely, absolutely spot on. The combination of both theatre, dance, and also awesome driving and rallying and hill climb. Perfect. And and driving one-handed in all those scenarios as well. Brilliant. All right. Um, great advice. Thank you so much, lady and gentlemen. Um, particular thanks to Molly for joining us for this special edition of our weekly. Uh, we could talk to you about so many other things, and we absolutely will. We want to. We want to get you back and talk about your own personal career and what's going on in in, in your life. Um, Rally. Yes, of course, <laughs> always. Uh, gentlemen, to Andy and Scott. Have a lovely one. Talk to you again soon in these strange but rapidly becoming normal uh, circumstances. And to our dear listener, um, look, if Dan Murphy is considered essential services, then going out and buying a bloody mag is, is essential as well. So pick up a copy <laughs> of Motor, Unit Cars, Wheels, Street Machine. Uh, what's the other one? Four by four, four Australia. <laughs> Matthew, Matty um, Radonikos will come and sit on you if you don't. Uh, well, that would be an excellent subject for another podcast. So expect to see that uh, or yeah. listen to it anytime soon. Killing indigenous wildlife with the back of a shovel. Everyone needs to <laughs> rush. It's <laughs> tough times. Had a poo in the bush. <laughs> Get in touch. Send us your questions. We'll endeavour to answer them on the next instalments of the show. And uh, you can, of course, find all our social media outlets. Uh, Whichcar.com.au. Thank you very much for listening. Cheerio.